Welcome. My name is Eric Archer, and I lead the communications and public relations team at the Diocese of La Crosse. We want to share with you today a conversation between Monsignor Richard Gillis, the rector of the St. Joseph the Workman Cathedral, and his mission associate, Mr. Kevin Decker. Over coffee and a shared love of Christ, they discuss Lent and its meaning. Pull up the metaphorical chair and listen in on this first draft episode of Coffee with Kevin. Lent is really one of my favorite times of year because I know I need to uh, do a reset with Christ and my relationship with him. And so, in a sense, how many of us would freely take that on and say, hey, I'm going to do these penances or I'm going to take on this discipline because as human beings, you know, we kind of get into a rut. And that's what I love about the church is that it provides these natural seasons of grace that says, like it or not, kids, here we go. And so let's change it up a bit. Otherwise, we we slide right back into daily life. So, What are some things you think that uh, people get into a pitfall over Lent, that they, a couple traps that they get into, or their mindset when they're going into Lent? Biggest thing ever, people start out strong, and if they don't prove to God that they're doing it 100%, and they make a mistake and they fall, then what happens is that they, they give up. Mm-hmm. And they just say, well, I've already, you know, blew it, so why even bother finishing it? Right. Worst mistake ever, that's despair, because despair and discouragement is not of God. What do you say to people when they when they when they give up and whatever and they don't want to continue on? How how do you help them get back in the right track to finish strong? Well, I pretty much just say what I said now is you know, if if the Christian life is um, hinging upon giving up and making mistakes, then we're all done. There's always a way out of our mess. There's always I mean, and we're in those messes constantly. So sure. just stay strong and finish the course and start again. Exactly. I mean, all of life is like that. Right. So, well, like in the like in the the, the readings a couple of weeks ago, race to race to win. Yeah. You know, finish strong. Finish yeah. strong. So. Yeah. No, great. Another thing that's coming to me too is, you know, you think of Lent, the cross, picking up the cross, and my thing is, okay, there's a lot of crosses that come to us, in life. My thing is, don't um, take up any cross that is not the cross of the Lord's. So in other words, self-imposed crosses. You know, making dumb decisions, getting ourselves into messes that then we've got to clean up. Well, that, and it's a burden. It is a cross. I mean, but who gave us that cross? We gave ourselves that cross. So really pick up the right ones. And yesterday in the gospel, Jesus said, you know, take up your cross. What does it gain for a person uh, to, you know, to gain the whole world and really to lose your soul? So it's like... So, it's, so these crosses, what are they? I think daily life presents many, many crosses to us every single day. You don't have to make them. You don't have to look for them. Yeah, you can do your Latin penance and things of that nature. But living daily life it presents a lot of crosses. So the thing is, when they first present themselves to us, what is... Our knee-jerk reaction, you know. If you're like me, a lot of times it's like, ugh, you know. It's like you groan and moan, and so how quick is our response to charity and just loving that cross, embracing it with affection? Absolutely. So, well, and, and I think that's my favorite. My favorite scene of the Passion of Christ is he gets he gets handed over the cross and he doesn't like grunt or nothing. He embraces it. He hugs it. He loves it. 
and willfully carries it. So and yeah, you know, I think so. If if we can't do these little things in life, uh, mm -hmm. like these daily crosses, let's say somebody. I'm ready to fly out the door and onto the next thing, and I'm busy. And somebody comes, oh, oh, Monsignor, I need you. And it's like, what's my gut reaction? I'll be honest with you. A lot of times, I'm like, oh, oh this person just goes on and on, you know. So, the, so you got this dialogue in your head, and it's like you know what's going on. But so, do I die to myself and say, you know what, this person's important. They need you. This is the face of Christ before me. Am I just like ignoring that? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. you know, yeah, that's a big part of my life. Well, also too, it's like, I feel like a lot of people are like, Peter, you know, Christ, I'll die for you. And he takes out the sword and cuts the guy's ear off and whatever else. And then, mm. and then, you know, Christ heals the guy and then he gets sent off. And then Peter, instead of following my little hands are cold and I need to keep him by the fire and keep him warm. And I'll just sneak up, you know, yeah. and I feel like a lot of people do that with Lent. I'm like, I'm ready to go to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and fast and this and that. And then one little hiccup and we fall apart and then we just continue you, on life. Do you know, and I think the, what the problem there is because we think, why is that? So I don't, I mean, I think one reason why it all falls apart is because I think people think they have to prove something to mm -hmm. God. You know, I'm going to prove to you, God, just how strong I am right. and I'm just going to nail this. And if I don't nail it, you know, no pun intended against the Lenten cross. But if I don't achieve it, you know, then it's like, well, then why bother? I failed. Yeah. Jesus knows that. Right. You know, so let, let him fill in the gaps of our lives. That's when you say, right. you know, Christ, yeah, I messed up. And right. I really need you and your mother to help me get up again and get over myself. Right. So, I mean. I agree with you 100%. And I, I feel like also, too, people don't help let other people help you carry that cross like Jesus did. They don't let, wow. they don't use their community to help, to help carry their cross or nothing. Lent's all about me and what I want to do and white knuckle and whatever. And it's like, no, this is a chance for you to come into the community and be like, you know, I'm weak in this area. I'm weak in this area. How do we help carry each other and help lift each other up? To what carry what a phenomenal point, so. Kevin. That's just great. So You're right. And yeah. so who are we as a... There's no such thing as an individual Christian, right? I mean, right. we're cells of a body. Right. The only the reason we exist is because there's other cells, there's other people, and what sure. we we need to um, focus on that. You know, this isolated Catholicism thing. You know, like at Cathedral Parish, I think it enjoyed, in major quotes, this reputation. Maybe in the past, for, to a certain degree, for some people. You know, cathedral has a lot of doors back mm -hmm. in the old day, and there's a lot of doors. So the idea is you could slide in, do your church thing, and get out, and then you're done. Exactly. And so I think that's a big focus of ours is being the body of Christ and committing to helping one another. And, you know, to so stepping up to the plate and then allowing ourselves to be helped when we need it. Mm -hmm. and that takes humility. So I think your point is spot on. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I, I think we're so scared because we want to hide the mess of our lives. You know, how I talk a lot of times about the, mm. the mess of... Of, of evangelization, you know, because people are like, oh, you know, don't don't get too involved with people. Worry about yourself. Worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about what everybody else around you. We need to switch that mentality of like, no, my, my brother in Christ is hurting and, and needs help. And, and wh what's the justice that's owed to me to him? You know what? We were just talking about this on our way down here um, from the cathedral to the diocese. And um, a lot of times, like, you're right that we are hesitant to... Um, 
you know, put ourselves out there. But that's, you know, without the risk, there's no reward, so to speak. And that's where you open up the door for God's grace. Exactly. You know, so if you stay in that clean little bubble, yeah, life is messy. And cathedral's unique that way. I mean, mm -hmm. we have, you know, people that come to us from all walks of life. And may, maybe it's um, a little different than quite a, uh, the other parish, some of the other parishes in the diocese or even in the city, you know. And that's okay. That's right. why we're here. Exactly. It's not a burden. It's an opportunity. No, it, it, it is. And how, how can I help be a, um, an aid or doctor to somebody that already has healing? I'm looking for the people that aren't being healed like Christ, like Christ is. You know, sitting with the prostitutes and tax collectors. You no, know, you mentioned the word healing. And I think there's not one person in our churches who is listening to this podcast who doesn't need healing. I agree. And, and just, it's, it's all over the board. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean we need therapy because healing ministry in the church is not that. And I think really the idea of Lent, we're talking about Lent, you know, maybe it's taking a deep dive into mm -hmm. ourselves with some honest introspection and say, what is it inside of me that needs to be healed? You know, what sure. am I ignoring? Or maybe what are the things that are lurking there that I don't know why I do the things that I do? And I'm going to um, go into that a little bit and be sure. honest. And it's painful. You know, you're exposing yourself. But I think, so I think that's really one of the, the holy purposes of Lent is to make, to purify our lives, to come out better on the other end. Because if we go right back on after the holy uh, Easter Monday, the day after Monday, uh, Easter, and just to say, well, I'm back to my old life. I'm done with the penances. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm... I'm the person that I was the day I went into Lent. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. And well, yeah. I think a lot of people think they, they do the fasting without the prayer, and mm. I think that's a big problem too. Because like like in the in the Garden of um, or in the um, oh shoot, help me out here. Um, Gethsemane. Where when Jesus was at the uh, agony of the Garden. Yeah. Well, he told his disciples, "Wake up, pray. Yeah. Be ready. Be prepared." And they didn't. They fell back asleep. And then when, once mm. the storm came, the fasting came, the hardship came, they ran. Yeah. So, and then you only have John at the foot of the cross with Mary. Yeah. So I, I just really think that people think, oh, yeah, wait, now go. Well, start with your prayer first and pick something small and do well at it. And that mustard seed will continue to grow. You know what you said, like white knuckle, you said it once before. And I'm so glad you said that because I, I forgot I was going to dovetail on that. You mm -hmm. know, like I tell people a lot in, in the sacrament of reconciliation is that... You know, people try to, um, I said, the Christian life is not about uh, stopping to sin. And people are like, what? You just say, the first focus and goal is, you, you don't come to the confessional to stop sinning. You, you come there to encounter Christ to grow in virtue. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not growing in virtue, you're going to white knuckle your sins for the rest of your life. Yep. And you get, in, you get into this rut in this cycle. Oh, I confess my sins. I go out there. I try not to sin. I do. And then I'm sorry. And I come back. It's over and over and mm -hmm. over again. And there's no real growth in holiness no. because the focus is not on virtue. The right. first thing needs to be a focus on virtue. So mm -hmm. if you can grow in virtue through fasting, Prayer, almsgiving, being awake, you right. know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Don't you think? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like I've, I've told, told you plenty of times, and I've said it to but it's really important is 
is our what is our first vocation to know love and serve God and we have mm-hmm. to know we can't and they, they all go in our time with each other if we don't know somebody we won't serve them we won't serve them we're not loving them you know yeah and so once we do that and we form ourselves into the the disciple of Christ then we can go down to our spouse our vocation and then be Christ-like for them mm-hmm. and then our children and so forth but if we're not doing the main thing nothing else we do will ever bear any decent fruit yeah, absolutely. You know, Kevin, you began this conversation by asking me, what, did, what do you think is one of the biggest pitfalls of people entering into Lent? And I said that was people giving up. What would you say? What do you think that is? Um, I, the, I think the biggest pitfall, especially for me, is I, I do. I try to carry the crosses I don't need to carry yet. And, and I, I take two, st- or, or, you know, I see people taking too, too many steps forward and not looking at what's right in front of them. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a huge pitfall. And also, too, I've been married for seven and a half years, and now I'm really inviting my spouse into this Lenten fasting with us mm-hmm. and inviting her to pray with us and really not living as a single married person but living as one again. And, and that was our real focus. So that is interesting. So you think maybe, in a sense, people enter into Lent and they just want to become like a big-time, big-fat saint like right yeah, now? Now. Like now. Yesterday. Now. Yes. Yesterday. Yes. And, is, and there, so, yeah, it kind of goes back to the knee-jerk reaction. We have to get rid of that uh, um, knee-jerk reaction to the, the rejection of the cross. Yeah. So these little crosses come to us. If we can't be holy in these little moments, well, how are we going to be holy in the big stuff of exactly. life? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Well, and like Christ said, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own evil. Worry about today. Because you're, you, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And, and, yeah, and if yeah, you don't start taking yeah. those little steps today, you're not going to get to the bigger steps tomorrow. Yeah. You know? And so, but I, and I also too, and I've told a couple of guys that, I, that I've been starting to disciple of like, look, the, the beginning stuff's easy. Showing up, to, showing up to mass, showing up to this, doing the little things are easy. It's like a sculpture taking away the big pieces first. But now you, a lot of people are in the stage now where it's, it's time to do the fine print, the little chiseling. And that stuff takes mm. time. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, I, I always use the thing of, of uh, a professional athlete takes 10,000 hours of doing what they're doing day in and day out to become a professional athlete. Well, look at that for us. If we do one hour a day, you take that 10,000, one hour a day, 365, it takes us tw- almost 27 and a half years to be able to come the saint we need to be. That takes time. So yeah. we need to stay slow and persistent at it. And if we do that, yeah, it'll come. And my thing, too, is, is I get on these certain themes, as you know. So I talk about, uh, you know, God is only present to us in the current moment. And, and that's why he entered into time, to be with us in time. But where do most of us live? Either forward or backward. We're all worried about the future and, you know, anxiety. Things you have no control over. Absolutely. And or you're hearkening back to either the good old days or my past sins. And I just, you keep beating yourself up over oh for the gosh. same sins that you've been forgiven for, not trusting in God's mercy. So where's Satan? Where's the evil one? Not in the current moment. In temptations, yes. But he's mostly in the places where God is not. Where's God not in our lives? Forward and backward. Exactly. So that's why you got to stay fixed on the current moment. Absolutely. Um, and focus on doing those little things that come to us in the moment every day and not reject those crosses. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. You know, do, do, you know, like St. Mother Teresa said, do, do small things with great love. I know it, it, that can almost be a cliche thing, but yeah. it is so 
I mean, it's spot on. It is. I mean, you know, go back to the basics. That's what I love about Lent too. Just go back to the basics. Yeah. Focus, you know. So, right. Right. yeah. Well, what makes a great athlete great? He does the little things right every day. You know, I think a professional basketball mm-hmm. player. He he can dribble the ball amazingly. He can. He doesn't miss the layups or free throws or whatever else. So, do we do those little things each and every day that we get up and those small little victories every day? Do we do those? And that's what Lent's and, well, all about. Yeah. And what is the definition of virtue? It's a habit of doing good. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's I think, what Lent, you know, I want to ask, what is Lent? It's really to grow in virtue. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes maybe people come in and think, I'm going to stop sinning. Again, yeah, that's a good thing. But I, I think the higher, more effective path is to right. aim toward growing in virtue. And when you're so filled with virtue and God, and there's not this, you know, vacuum, then it's going to naturally, in a sense, push sin out of your life. Absolutely. That's how you get rid of sin is by increasing virtue. Otherwise, you're white-knuckling it. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to share this one thing, too, because my spiritual director really helped me out with this when I was uh, starting to grow in faith was... Um, the world tells you to put, don't put all your eggs in one basket, spread out, you know, do a lot of different things. Don't do that. Put all your eggs in one basket and give it 110% on that one thing and do it great. Because God doesn't work in lukewarm. He'll spit that out. He's either hot or cold. Mm. You either, you either all in or you're not. And then when you do give everything to that, whether it's your vocation, whatever else, doors will either open or close and the right areas will come and you will know that if it was the right thing or not. If you're too spread out thin, you're never going to really know and you're never going to get the full graces of, of what God's doing in your life. That you're talking about. What would you tell somebody that needs that in their life? Pretty basic in a sense. I think you can't have a relationship with God without having a relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And so let's start with having authentic, meaningful relationships with one another. Not that's politically driven or what you can do for me, but more of knowing that someone else can, can be Christ for me and can offer something to me. And so I think that's a big part of it. You know, so, um, yeah, you know, you can let's go to the church and you can pray, uh, go before the Blessed Sacrament. But, you know, we're in this Eucharistic year of revival, the three-year process. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't even understand what that really is, what that means, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Well then, so do you sit down and read a book of theology to come to that understanding? No, it's, it's through another person that can joyfully witness and, and walk that journey with you saying, this is what is where I find solace. Yeah. So it's got to be relational. I mean, you look at the Holy Trinity, the, the, the very mystery, the greatest mystery of all is the Blessed Trinity. And it's evident to us through Christ that it's relational. So we got, I think we got to go back through this. You know, a lot of people that are just disconnected. And you have to work for ways to connect to one another. Absolutely. Because that's how I'm going to get to know and love God. So. so and to dovetail off that, too, we were talking this morning about, you know, because Monsignor's like, oh, you know, I, I get up on the, the pulpit and after the end, you know, I, I say, I need eight people to sign up for this. Or we put it in the bulletin or whatever else. But, but really going down into the crowd, into the, you know, Whatever, however you want to call it, into the body of Christ and in personally inviting people, that is where the big fruit is. And that's what Jesus yeah. did with his own disciples. Come follow me. 
you know, it, just a very personal one-on-one -on -one invite. And, th and that is what's going to help the church get back to. So you mentioned the word solace. And I think that's, so solace comes from the fact that people understand I am valued. Somebody cares yes, about yes. me. Somebody has reached out to me. Um, and they might say, you know what, this isn't my wheelhouse. And they might just turn you down. But at least the other person is going to know that, you know what, somebody thought enough to ask me. Right. I think it's that basic. Everybody wants to help, but they don't know what to do. Yeah. So having somebody to sit there and, and, and meet you where you're at and walk with you is, is something of beauty. I think that's very much forgotten in that statement of like, come as you are. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We're going to walk with you as the journey to, to help create more Christ-like. Yeah, for sure. It's an interesting intersection. You know, Monsignor, you talk about being seen, right? Solace and being seen. Mm. And then, Kevin, you were talking about, like, going down into the body of Christ and saying, I need, I need you, Kevin. Yes. I need you. It feels like it's all connection and being seen. And I wonder if that ties to the secular world right now and all the digital media we have and all the mm. ways of connecting that aren't fruitful and rich. Right. Just right. being seen itself is transformative for people. For, for sure, because people fall in that trap of uh, social media, you know? It's, you know, the, the personal invite and the face-to-face -face stuff like this, that's the real pure sugar. The, the, the social media stuff is like the, the equal. It's the, it's the substitute of it. It's not the, it's, mm. it's not the full thing. So people think that they're very much loved and they have all these buddies and everything, but they may not hardly know anything about them because behind the scenes you can put however, whatever you want. But then the, the deep down is what's really hurting. And building that one-on-one -on -one relationship, you can't, you can't hide that. And people become more real because they, they're not behind a curtain. You know, I just want to interject here. The, the thought, too, is to um, roll this back the other direction. So we said that uh, people want to be seen and noticed and valued. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, it occurred to me, too, that the people out there, they want their church to be seen and noticed and have a positive impact. And that kind of inspires them. So something little... Um, is I try to make a big effort to get outside onto the plaza on Main Street mm -hmm. and just to greet people, you know, because they, they want, it's not so much about Gillis, but they want to see their priest. They want, so I've had how many people say, it is so excellent to see you stand out there and greet people because we are downtown. We're, we're part of a community. And there's, so there's a sense of, yeah, the church has got a presence in the world. So it's those little things like that, too. So I think you can roll it back that direction, too. Absolutely. So, 100%. Yeah. So Lent, if I were to be listening to this and, and want to frame what Lent means and is and where I should start and how I get beyond just giving something up, how would I do that? Like, how do you frame Lent for somebody who is new to the church or doesn't wonders the depth of what it means? And what does it mean to you, I guess, since you've grown up in the faith on senior, like, and then you know, Kevin, like, how have you come to understand it and grow? I, I would say for me, it's conversion. I mean, not to use an overplayed word, but it is metanoia, a complete change of heart. We constantly got to realign ourselves with Christ. We all get off track, you know, and, and it's really an awareness that I'm not okay with sin. You know, a few weeks ago in the scripture, God gives no one the license to sin. And I think we unwittingly maybe fall into that or accept it, you know. So for me, it's, it's forming a deeper relationship with 
Jesus Christ and accepting his love and to make him the absolute center of my life. I mean, on a day-to-day -day basis, how well do we do that? I don't know. I mean, we struggle with that. So for me, it's, it's really to, to really to seat Christ on the throne of my heart right. and that everything revolves around him and just becoming more and more aware of that. And you know what, too? is trust. It's like learning to trust Christ with the entirety of your life. And there's so many of us that have trust issues. So I would say, again, it's relational. What about you, Kevin? For, for, for me, the first thing I think of when I think of Lent is the, the true disciple. Like, deny yourself, mm. pick up your cross, and follow me. You know, those are the true disciples. And the, it's, it's, Lent is an opportunity because I get a lot of flack from Protestants and whatever. Like, oh, you know, we don't have to do that, thank God, whatever. And I was like, what an opportunity for us to sit there and be able to, like, pick up our cross, follow our Lord, and actually, actually in a very small way, be able to be united with him on the cross. What a great way to what a great way to be able to do that and to be able to to um, experience the true love of laying down my life for another and to lay my down life for for my Lord. Yeah, it's that you know I get opportunities every day, but it's a really focus point in those forty days to really experience that and be with Him in that. And I think it's an amazing thing. Saint Rose of Lima. I'm pretty sure August twenty fourth is her feast day, but she talks about how the Lord had made Himself known to her and revealed to her like in a private revelation but she said jesus has helped me to understand if you only knew the value of our sufferings and how many graces it affects right. and pours into the world she said you would never complain about any crosses that come to us in yeah. fact she said you would run to find them yeah. knowing how much that how much power because it brings a, a uh, a closeness to Christ. Absolutely. So, I thought, you know. Uh, Same part of Pio also said something like that too and he also said, if you knew how powerful your suffering was, you'd ask for more. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, and so. And most of us got that knee-jerk reaction of rejection. All right. We want to be comforted. Yeah. We're not built for comfort. We're built for greatness. Mm -hmm. Amen. Translating that St. Rose, Rose of Lima, you know, that's, I just try to keep my eye on the, the, folks that are, I guess, new or, you know, understanding. That'd be hard for me to translate that idea of, mm. you know, if only we knew the value of suffering, we would seek more. Like to, to people, you know, undergoing great pain, you know, walk me through the experience of that pain <clears throat> in St. Rose, in her thoughts. What, what, how does she, I mean, so she says those things, right? And she was mystic, I think, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. So how does, I mean, how do you, um, as a Monsignor, I come to you and I have this overwhelming pain in my life and not small things, right? Big things. And, and I'm sure you encounter those people routinely, right? How do you impress upon them the, the material reality of what St. Rose of Lima is saying? So it doesn't sound like a soundbite in a, in a book. It's a reality in my life. I think you have to go back to the uh, centrality of the cross. The only way that any of this makes any sense is only because Jesus Christ historically proven, I mean, he died for us and for our sins on the cross. And when he was, his whole life was an absorption of our sins, beginning with his baptism in the Jordan River by his cousin John, 
really before that with his incarnation, taking on the cloak of our flesh so he could absorb our sins. And then, and then um, in the agony in the garden, you know, when all the weight and the sin of the world became infused into his very flesh, that's why he profusely bled in the, uh, in the agony in the garden, because he was absorbing all the sins of the world, ultimately taking all of it to the cross. So, so somebody says, okay, this suffering business, it's just, I think it's a sick thing and we shouldn't do it. Well, it's because you realize that Christ absorbed all of the sin of the world, including my own, he understands it. In a sense, he's embraced it and suffered it before I, it ever came along in my life. So then if you realize, you know, that this is a way to, to make you feel, like, to draw closer to Christ, then it makes, it actually makes sense, knowing that he's embraced my cross before I ever got it. So, you know, as the new guy in the room, it sounds like it's an internal versus external focus is kind of what it, mm. right? So like when I have that pain, and if I don't know Christ and I don't understand what you were saying, I, I focus inward on that pain, right? And it's just, like it's got gravitational pull. And mm. if you're able to look at it externally and see the joy and suffering through Christ's eyes and the suffering he went through, it helps frame mm. that pain, maybe. Yeah. It can help you look externally versus internally. Is that fair? I, I would say, and this offering is, is, you know, there's the old Catholic expression, and it's a cliche, but offer it up. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a reason Holy Mother Church has had that expression for centuries, because it's really the essence of Christ, Christianity. He offered himself up for us and in, in first, and in return, we do the same thing for him, with him, through him especially in the Eucharist. Well, I think of it in a secular standpoint, you know, my, my, my gym bros, you know, thinking of like no pain, no gain. Like if you, if you, you're not willing to suffer, there's going to be no gains for you. There's no, if everything was just so la-di-da and fluffy and all this other stuff, we would never grow in anything. We would never strive for anything. There'd be no greatness ever, you know? And so I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like each thing that God has led me, led me through yeah, it was painful or whatever else, but then there was tons of fruit on the other side of it. And, and, and that's how we grow in love. So Kevin, during this Lenten season, like what's an example you know, that you're comfortable with? Monsignor, you as well, like where you had pain or maybe Monsignor parishioner, um, you drew close to Christ, just like you mentioned. And through that, you felt you know, relieved or consolation or closeness and growth. Well, I think I think one thing too. The last few lengths, I've just kind of like skated by and just lottie da and whatever. And you know, I you want to go back to your original parents thing and be like, well, it's the wife you gave me, and you know what? You know, you don't want to put it on yourself, but like really, this Lent of like, no, Lent's also filled because I have failed to be a leader of my family. I have felt that I am I have not been the head of my family, and I've sat off to the side. And and really, this year of owning that of like, look. And not being a, a dictator in my family, but really guiding and leading by example. And actually me trying to grow first and then the rest of my family leading as well too. And and even just even though Lent's only been three days in, I've already seen a difference of like, no, like I I want this for for not only myself, but I want my wife to get to heaven. And so if I'm working on getting my wife to heaven, she's gonna also do the same and my kids and, and it shows a good example for everybody. Well, for me, um, in a big macro level, I would say it's the Paschal mystery itself. And um, 
an instance of embracing the cross and how it brings fruit and meaning in true life would be the death of my mother in August of 2019. It's like, where do you go with that? Where do you go with the ultimate thing of life? Well, that becomes reasonable and even logical if you look at the truth of Christ and who he is. And, and you know, death is a hard thing. You know, it's, it's, we struggle with that. But you can actually have faith and hope and even a sense of calm and tranquility going through something that's so difficult because he has shown us the way. So that's, if I had to take it to this ultimate level, I would say it's that, so. That's wonderful. So if we were to close people out, I guess, right? And for at that natural pause. Um, and the great thing is Zach can edit all me out. What would be um, a message you want to leave people with or Monsignor reading that's especially applicable um, in your mind now that people could reflect on and be inspired by? Um, how would you close us out? I would say um, that stay the course um, and even go to the Psalms because um, you can find your life in, in the Psalms and those prayers of the uh, church um, and, and really just, um, I would say stay with, uh, you know, scripture and stay with the scripture that the church provides so daily readings they're very poignant and very focused so don't do it alone I mean, as catholics we need to more fully i think embrace the living word of god and to enter into that with some silence um so i would say that would be my my and and so scripture as the church provides to us in the daily readings of the mass that you can't go wrong with that uh, don't don't make Lent about you. I think this really—it's not about you. It's about growing closer to Christ, and it's about what you can do for others. You know, some people, so many people, like, like we've said so much before, um, want to make this about themselves and whatever. It's some white knuckling and taking a step back and be like, no, what is what does the Lord ask me to? Do? I want to build my relationship with the Lord, and I want to take that love that He's given me, shared me, and share it with others as well too. So taking that suffering, so it's not. You know, just I think the, another reason why people complain about suffering is they don't know what to do with it. Well, actually, I'm going to offer it up for this or for that or for somebody else that is hurting and suffering too or hasn't come back to the church. I just want to jump on one point. You mentioned the word relationship with the Lord, and that's an expression we use a lot, mm -hmm. you know. And maybe in a sense, the Catholic Church is becoming more intense on using that. So... How, my question to people is, how would you define your relationship with Jesus? What is your relationship to the Lord? My relationship with the Lord is, you know, describe it. What does it look like? And you would be surprised at how difficult that can be for people, myself included, because I think we go into these categories and these descriptors that we all are supposed to use. But if you think about your, your human friendships with the people around you that are most meaningful, you can describe them. How would you actually tell Jesus, my relationship with you is, and, and, um, and I think that's a great exercise in, uh, for Lent. Absolutely. And, and develop that and give words, give, give it um, flesh on the skeleton. 
Absolutely. I think that really pushes people into a deeper spiritual place. Well, and also, too, it's a perfect opportunity for the whole Trinity, right? What's my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Right. What's my relationship with Jesus? And what's my relationship with God the Father? Yeah. And how do they all in, intertwine together? Yeah. And, you know, Holy Spirit leads. And then how do I become an example like Christ so I can get to the Father? And maybe an awesome thing is once you have some individual kind of reflection on these questions, mm -hmm. sit down with a tr one other person, a trusted person, and say, mm -hmm. I, I want to share with you what my relationship with Jesus looks like. And you could set that up and say, you know what, after 10 days, 12 days, let's get together for coffee and talk about our response to this question. Absolutely, That might be very provocative it for is. some. Very fruitful. And again, it's not, like you said, Kevin, it's not walking alone, walking yes. the journey alone. We need the body of Christ and to have some of these incredible conversations. So, yeah. Absolutely. The connection thing you mentioned, I mean, that's been a thread throughout the conversation, right? Connection. Um, so, you know, go to the, the little parishes um, and, you know, their Lenten celebrations and their Lenten gatherings aren't, you know, individual things in a dark corner of the church. You know, it is celebratory fish fries, right? It's times where we get together mm -hmm. and we gather over food, over dinner, which is the great tradition. Um, so that, that's when you say that, that's what I think of is all these, these parishes that have just vibrant mm -hmm. gatherings. Mm -hmm. 